Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast. My name is Scroobius Pip. This is episode 115 and it's a two-parter and it's super special. Before I get into that, I need to say a lot of love for all the love that was given for last week's podcast with Neil Woods. It's always exciting when I have someone who isn't a big celebrity name, but just a really interesting story and podcast. And Neil, if you missed it, was an undercover cop for for 14 years in the war on drugs, the first in the UK to go undercover in drug-related crime and operations. Um, And he's got a hell of a story and a hell of an outlook. So, yeah, glad you all enjoyed that. Thank you for spreading the word. I should mention that this week's podcast is brought to you by Speech Development Records. If you head to speechdevelopmentrecords.com, not only is there a whole section of Distraction Pieces merch, where you can get T-shirts and mugs and all sorts of cool stuff, but there's also a limited amount. There's a, a section just added. It might have sold out by the time this podcast goes out. But there's a signed section. Because a lot of people were sad they couldn't catch B. Dolan on his tour and get some some signed stuff. And sad that they missed my book tour and couldn't get some signed stuff. So B. Dolan signed a load of, of vinyl before he went home. I went to the warehouse and signed a load of vinyl, a load of books and a load of DVDs. So check that all out at speechdevelopmentrecords.com. Obviously, we've also got loads of other good stuff. We've got the We May Not Be For You and That's Fine slogan cap that is a a hit of the summer. Um, But but, but yeah, there's loads of good stuff. There's music. We're stocked up on all vinyl. So we've got the the Sage Francis vinyl, the B. Dolan vinyl, my vinyl, and the King Blues vinyl. So that's exciting. I feel on here I mention T-shirts and hats and mugs and aprons and all the other merch that we do a lot but primarily we're a record label so i'm very proud that we've got cool cool as fuck records there speaking of records sunday best is the label that me and dan lasak originally signed to back in the day in 2006 or 7 and they run a festival called called bestival they also run camp bestival and I played it constantly for years and years. And I also started about five years ago, um, at least. I started to run the spoken word stage there. It was called the Satin Lizard Lounge. Now, that was based on, I had a night years ago. This is a lot of story I'm giving you here. I had a night years ago at Pure Groove Records called the S- S- Satin Lizard Lounge. And it was a spoken word night with a bit of, of music at the end. Um, and we made them into podcasts. And that was my first uh dipping of the toe into the world of podcasting but the satin lizard lounge turned into a thing that was at camp festival and festival and i've booked it for years there's been one or two years where i've not been able to be there but in general i'll be hosting it i'll book everyone i'll be performing i'll be introducing um and even on the years i haven't been able to be there myself i've put a lot of effort into to putting together a lineup and schedule that blows people away um and this year, we did it at Camp Festival. It went down a treat, and we had our lineup all kind of planned and and coming together for f- festival. And they've they've sadly had to cut it because of of budget cuts. Now, don't get mad at festival. Um, a lot of people, when they heard this from artists to to attendees, were kind of mad about it. But the fact is, it's a tough time for festivals at the moment. There's three or four festivals every a weekend are really just in the UK and best of all tr- 
traditionally has been the big end of festival season festival well whilst I still think it's the best festival of all I'm not I honestly believe that um it's also at the end of the festival season and if it's now and a time where you've probably been to two or three festivals already this year then best of all might be the one that that gets cut from your uh your budget but again the fact is it it's all it's looking like it'll be as a sellout as ever it's looking like it'll be an amazing event it's just it's been a bit of a struggle and a slower one um but yeah as i said uh, the, my main point here is that best of all is the best festival of all so if you've never been you should definitely go but what i decided to do when we were cut as i said everyone on the stage was 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 really down about it and bummed out and i thought hang on at my stage at best of all i mean we get up to about 500 people in this little amphitheater and it's awesome and the atmosphere is amazing it's got some of my happiest memories of recent years some really emotional memories and some of the happiest um but i've got a podcast that gets a hundred over a hundred thousand downloads a week so i figured this year only until we return to best of all next year triumphantly let's make this the satin lizard lounge everywhere in the world Let's make it in your ears wherever you are. Today I would like to present to you the Satin Lizard Lounge on the bus you're sitting on right now. Today I would like to present to you the Satin Lizard Lounge in your living room, in your car, on your walk to work, on your jog, in your gym, wherever you choose to listen to this. So I spoke to six of the acts and said, look, what would be cool is if you came on and we did... a little interview and had a chat and then you did a poem each um and that was kind of key because the point of the the stage is that it's performance but still everyone's got an amazing story um uh, layout wise i wanted to have a chat and then end on a poem because there's nothing more awkward like like being a guy who's done spoken word for years on on radio and at different places there's nothing more awkward than when you perform a piece and then you've got the awkward thing of the host having to clap and be like, "Oh, that was, that was, ah, oh, that was fantastic, great, that that was a wonderful piece." Um, <laughs> it's really awkward and unpleasant for everyone. So I decided that we'll do, we'll, we'll chat to each person, and then we'll have a, a a poem from them. So this is really a favourite episode, um, or a, a, a two favourite episodes. As it's a two parter. I'll tell you how we're going to divide this up in part one. We're going to have Raymond Amphrobus, who's absolutely amazing. Um, we're going to have Maria F- Ferguson, who's absolutely amazing. And we're going to kick it off right now with a guy I go on about a lot, Mr. Rob Alton. Now, Rob, as you will have heard, is the best thing I've ever seen at the Edinburgh Fringe. I didn't get around to mention it to him on this, but probably my f- favourite best of all moment was Rob headlining, I think, two years ago, because he is an odd act and an odd and we discuss it in the show he is someone that his hour-long show you have the time to get used to his unusual style to fall in in love with it but in smaller sets it's potentially hit or miss either you get it or you you don't and there's not time for it to develop and the day had been going amazing there'd been some amazing sets from some amazing poets and then rob was headlining and from the first thing that he said he had the whole amphitheatre 
just in in love with him and it was my favorite experience because i i knew he had nerves i had nerves but again you've got to remember that although i'm booking these things i'm just a fan man like i'm i'm a i'm one of rob alton's biggest fans in the world um he's also a mate which is a amazing and mind-blowing but i'm one of his biggest fans so to see everyone get him in the way that i get him from his first line um yeah was fantastic uh so yeah i i really enjoyed that um i'll i'll let this get on oh i should tell you in part two part two is is one of the most requested and loved people on the on the spoken word scene there's or three of but um I get a video sent to me a lot of people going, oh, you should check this poem out. And I often stay quiet on it because I don't want to be a hipster and be like, I already know about that person. <laughs> How dare you presume that you can recommend someone to me? I'm very knowledgeable. Um, but Holly McNeish is one of those people that I get recommended a lot. She's absolutely amazing. Um, her pieces. Um, mathematics and embarrassed have both gone hugely viral her piece megatron um should have gone equally viral um it's fantastic but she's an amazing artist so in part two i'm gonna have a holly mcneish i'm gonna have jack rook who you're all gonna fall in in love with that was one of the deepest chats i've i've had in a while he's an amazing dude i've got a a, a lot of love for that kid and then I'm going to round that one out with Cecilia Knapp, who I also have a lot of love for. I've, I, I played her on the beatdown in the past. I'm a big fan of of Cecilia Knapp. So, um, yeah, that's how it's going to run. Um, I'll be back in the middle, no, at the end, to tell you about, about what's going on. Basically, this part is going up at midnight as ever, and part two will be up at midday. But this is the Saturn Lizard Lounge special of the Distraction Pieces podcast, part one. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction pieces. Right, I am joined now by Rob Alton. How are you, sir? You waited until I asked you to take a swig of water, so that yeah. was... <laughs> I'm all right, thanks. I'm all right. I'm I'm enjoying I'm enjoying this pint glasses. They're normally these ones are normally half the size, aren't they? Yeah, I, I hate it when I go anywhere and the water s- supplied is the smallest glass imaginable. Yeah, it's like it's just it's just out of the tap, mate. I'm, like it's not after, like I'm after bottled water. I just want tap water. Just give me a decent sized glass. So I purposely made sure I got you a pint of water. Upon, Thank you upon, um, upon request. I appreciate it. Um, let's kind of go to where I I've, I first I first heard of you kind of. I kind of first heard of you through Bang Said the Gun, but I've kind of first heard of Bang Said the Gun through you. Okay. Because I think it was Polar Bear was saying, there's this guy, Rob Alton, he's amazing, he's at this night at Bang Said the Gun. And then I heard yeah. more of Bang Said the Gun, which, I mean, let's let, let's talk about that for a second. It's a yeah. spoken word night, and yeah. the thing that blew me away about it was it isn't like any other spoken word night I've ever been to. Yeah. Um, so what was kind of, you, you're one of the, the creators or regulars or something yeah, yeah, that banks yeah. the camera. What was the idea behind it? How did it all come about? Um, well, I it, I got on board uh, about 2008, I think, yeah. and Martin Goldson and Dan Cockrell yeah. had been running it for about 15 years. On oh, and, really? Yeah, a long time, yeah, on, on and off, um, doing it 
in like uh, bars in Soho and things like that. Yeah. And then we started doing it at the Roebuck pub in Borough monthly. Yeah. And then we started doing it weekly. And then when we started doing it weekly, it started to get a bit more momentum. Yeah. But the thing with that night is like, uh, just wanted it to be like a fun party atmosphere. That's exactly what I was going to say. There's n- n- not, and I've gone to loads of spoken word nights. I thoroughly enjoy them, but not many feel like a party. Yeah. <laughs> they all feel like spoken word nights. Whereas yeah. the first time I went to that, I was like, as soon as you're in the room, there's a bit of a buzz. And then as soon as the music's playing and yeah, the yeah, shakers yeah, yeah, are out yeah, yeah, and all yeah, this yeah. kind of thing, it's like, oh, wow, this is, this yeah. is a, this is a night out. Yeah. You know? Well, that was it with, I think the music. So, Okay, right, we'll put some Little Richard on and uh, some of the Blues Brothers soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Put it on as loud as we can. Yeah. And I mean, you've got to be pretty cold-hearted to not tap your foot. Yeah, it, you know. exactly. And, um, and then, okay, then, then what could you do? Okay, right, we'll give people uh, milk cartons full of chickpeas to shake. And uh, the majority of people stuff like shaking stuff to music do they you enjoy that didn't you yeah, yeah i do yeah. i know i do i'm like oh yeah come on baby um <laughs> uh, but then we did that and then um yeah now we've, we've been doing it a fair bit we just yeah i got back from edinburgh did a show there in a yeah i love it i love it yeah i really love it it's and just it, a really good night and the variation of people i've seen it is it seems to be one that the poets are excited to do as well. Yeah. Like, like everyone I know seems to be like really up for it. If it's if it's if it's bang said the gun. So yeah. that's a well, I think it's, it's got to be a good sign. You know that thing of just getting trying to get up for something yeah. and be like, okay, what can we, what can we try to create that we believe in? Yeah, and give, put on a show for people and just try and make something that doesn't exist. And make it exist and just that's I guess that's the same with everything I've been yeah. trying to do is just trying to make something exist that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist, yeah. And, so, uh, so, so, yeah. So, so what was your kind of your – because what I love – I saw you at Bang Said the Gun and, and thoroughly enjoyed you and then I came to see the Sky Show yeah. and as I've raved about numerous times, it was my f- favourite thing of the Freedoms. I think it was 2013, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. I loved it but – I still don't know what your shows are. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's comedy, if it's spoken words, if it's... Yeah. So So what kind of... Normally I'd ask now, what made you get into comedy or what made you get into spoken word or whatever? But I guess it's just what made you get into performing and creating these these odd little shows. Um, I think just having... Walking around and having ideas. Yeah. Little things kind of popping into your head and me liking them enough for me to want to write them down. And then, first of all, writing them down so they don't disappear, so I can read them again. Yeah, yeah, And be yeah. like, oh, I like that. Yeah. And then I guess I thought, well, I'll get on stage and see if anyone else likes them. Yeah. Sometimes people like <laughs> them, and sometimes it, it's only me that likes them. Yeah. And that's all right. It's absolutely uh, fine. And, uh, but sometimes when... It's just me that likes them, and yeah. it's a room of fifty people. It's like, all right, maybe that one is just for me. You know, it's it's an interesting one because your type of show and your show, it, I mean, a key part of the fringe and a key part of a lot of 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 of, of performance scenes is doing either open mics or variety shows or whatever else. Yeah. With your shows, again, they're they're. 
I, I remember that first year at the Fringe, seeing you, you seeing Brett Goldstein, seeing Tom Rosenthal, and seeing these people who it's it's a complete show, and each of them, I couldn't imagine how you would take a part of that and put that in a, a five a five minute slot, for example, or yeah. a ten minute slot. So, how do you find that? And is I guess in a way, does that give you a get out clause if it doesn't go well in your mind? Because it's like, well, this is this is a small section of a far bigger thing. Yeah, it, it's, it's not necessarily always going to work in this room no. in this different audience. I think it's uh, yeah. Sometimes with the our shows I've done when I've tried to do them in smaller yeah sets is difficult. Yeah, um, just because I think with the with the hour shows it takes a it takes a while for people to make their mind up. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it takes fifty minutes yeah, for yeah, people yeah. to be like, oh, well, all right, yeah, I like this. Yeah, or no, right, he's lost. Come on, we're going. Yeah, and um, so with the shorter sets, I do like say when I've done best of all. Yeah, um, just try to pick the stuff that I have that I like yeah. and that I think people can kind of take as like a snack size bit of stuff. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no. it's, but with the, with the hour shows, I mean, the first one I did was, uh, called the yellow show. Yeah. And before that I did a, sh- I did a thing in 2009 yeah. and it, uh, we were, I was part of a thing called the big comedy breakfast. Yeah. And it started at half 11 in the morning and uh, we did 15 minutes each. It was me and then three comedians. And uh, we'd just do my... I don't even know if they're poems or not. It's just yeah. writing. Yeah. I just yeah, write, yeah, yeah. write stuff down, read it out on stage. Yes. Wh- whatever that is. <laughs> and uh, make books with it in and drawings and I'll let other people, if they want to call it something, that's, that's fair enough. That's fine. But I mean... I, uh, so did 2009 and then, and then I was like, oh, people are doing shows for an hour. I wonder if I could do a show for an hour. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, why don't, it might be good if I give myself a theme to write to. Yeah. And then at least I've, cause I love working to a brief. Yeah. And like putting the word in the middle of the spider diagram and being like, what can we do with this? How can we do this? How can we do that? And it gives me a year to think about something or eight months or just to think about one thing and to focus on one thing to focus yeah. on one thing so like the you know there's a case here that's the color yellow so yeah. i'm walking around looking at yellow lines uh post-it notes and yeah. just being like wow okay and not sound like an idiot but i love the fact that people know what the color yellow is and i know what I know what it is, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, uh, and, uh, uh, I find it exciting. And if that's sad that I find that exciting, then I'm sorry, no. but I, I feel like that's something that we've got in common. Yeah. We know what the color yellow is, right? So with that first show, I was like, okay, come on, let's, um, how can I make, okay, right. I'll have a yellow backdrop. Yeah. So I need to go to Walthamstow market, get a big bit of yellow cloth. Right, yellow, yellow on it in acrylic. Okay, there's my backdrop. Now what can I do? Right, I'll get a yellow coat um, and I'll read from the yellow pages and I'll, I'll go to Argos, get the Argos catalogue, cut all the things out that are yellow, make a page of it, stick it in the Argos catalogue, is the yellow stuff, whatever. <laughs> and, and then, um, and then I, the idea to make these yellow vision glasses that was just made out of cardboard 
got some yellow acetate and then gave them out to the audience. So everyone was watching the show through yellow tinted glasses. I love it. And we, in the press release, it was the first time I'd ever done a press. I was like, ah, oh, what am I going to do here? So I learned that people send things out to journalists to try to get them to come to the show. Yeah. And I just got back from, uh, I've been on holiday somewhere and, uh, I'd got these, uh, this pad of yellow, sub- I love the Beatles, and it was a pad of the yellow submarine uh, thing, so I was like, right, I'll handwrite some letters, put it on yellow submarine paper, sell- send them some yellow vision glasses, and uh, some journalists actually came to the show because of that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, so maybe the theme thing can work sometimes, but I mean, no one came to the yellow show in Edinburgh yeah. Uh, for the first, well, no, pe- people did come, but only because I fly for three hour and a half hours a day. Yeah. Um, sitting in a yellow paddling pool on the Royal Mile with a, <laughs> and I had one of those long noodle things, you know, that you have for swimming. Yeah. Yeah. That you get yeah. in the pound shops. Yeah. Long yeah, bits yeah, of yeah, foam. Yeah. Yeah. And I cut a um, slice in the end with a scalpel, stuck my yellow show flyer, and then, and then fished it out. People took the flyers, and if they like my flyering technique, then they come to the show. <laughs> and, uh, That's a solid theory. But, mate, I mean, you know, it was mixed responses, but yeah. I knew that you've got to do what you like, right? Yeah. And you've got to I've, – I've, I would go along the Royal Mile and think, if I saw myself, would I want to go and see that show? Yeah. And if the answer isn't yes, then I've got to change it. And it's the same with performing, thinking like, if I saw someone read something, read this out, would I engage with it? Yeah. Would I want to be that person? That's you a know? great analysis to put yourself under. It, it, it reminds me of one of the first times I was, I was talking to, to Polar Bear, and uh, or not one of the first ones, actually, uh, and we'd gig together a bit, and every now and then, it just it'd leave a gig. It'd be like, I'm not feeling this. Yeah. I don't like this crowd. Yeah. And and he explained to me one day, he's like, I try and think every time if I'm halfway through my set and my and my mates walked in, yeah, how would I feel? Yeah. Or would I be excited that they're here or yeah. would I be embarrassed that they're seeing me doing this? Yeah. And if it's embarrassed, I do what I can to not do it. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just, it's a similar thing there of that yeah. of having that analysis of going Am I doing this because I can get booked or people will tell me it's good, which could be flash in the pan, they care for a minute and don't care next, or am I doing this because it's something I like and I believe in? So yeah. it's, it's good to have that self-analysis. It's, it's dangerous as well yeah. because you can overanalyze and start to, to panic. But what I came – the first show of, of yours I saw was the Sky Show. Mm. And what has excited me ever since then is that it is, it's finding these – it's realising that – the bulk of the performance is, or, or, or the bulk of the show is you. What people are invested in and what I come to see now as a fan is Rob Alton. Yeah. So the topic, not that it's irrelevant, but it's finding that topic and then exploring it. Yeah. And and DJ Yoda on one of the first podcasts I did, I said the same. He said he struggles a lot more just making a DJ Yoda album mm. than if someone says, can you do a Halloween album? Yeah. Or can you do a swing-based thing, because it's like, oh, I've got a topic, I've got a, 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 a subject now, I can mm. now go off and delve into that. Mm. So, like, how do you choose your your subjects of the sky, of of, um, of water, of sleep? 
yellow came about because I needed a new coat and I got a yellow coat from <laughs> Lily White. Good reason as any. And uh, I, I, it was really weird. I started wearing this yellow Mac. Yeah. And my mood changed. And Amazing. I, I kind of became kind of, every time I put it on, I felt ever s- a tiny, tiny, tiny bit more happy. Yeah. And um, I was at a secret garden party festival, right? Yeah. And uh, it was like 10 o'clock in the morning and uh, someone was doing a happiness workshop. Yeah. And I was in my yellow coat and this guy was like, oh, one way to be more happy is to wear more brightly coloured clothing. And I had a horrific hangover and like, like I had my, you know, hand covering my eyes and yeah. was in this yellow coat and he was like... I think he actually said, like, oh, come on, you, this guy's disproving my theory. But, yeah, he's ruining it. Um, but that was, that was, and then I thought, right, okay, well, if this, this if I can do a brightly coloured show, then uh, maybe that'll be a thing. And then the sky was just like, wow, man, flipping love the sky. It's great, isn't it? It's, I mean. Again, it's what, it's what came across from what just won me over instantly. That, that was like, I wonder what the sky show is going to be. And then within 10 minutes, it's like, Oh, right, dude just really loves the sky. And yeah. that's what the show is. And that's yeah. fucking beautiful, man. But, I mean, it's not like... It's it's not me being like, hey, guys, I, li- I love the sky. You no, know? It's, it's like not. I, wa- I want to try to convey how I feel about a blooming massive thing. Yeah. It's so big. Yeah. And the fact that if... Say you were to get... If someone said, hey, I've got a, I've got a uh, scaffolding pole. Yeah. And it goes on for infinity. Here you go, start threading it out. And if you did that and it went on, it would just go on forever and ever 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 and ever. That. Yeah. I just, I think about that and then see some of the stuff that I see on the news. I'm like, how did this get so out of hand? I mean, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's kind of, it makes me feel small. I like things that make me feel small and insignificant because then it frees me up to kind of do what I want. Yeah. I'm like, what? Okay. Well, screw this. I'm going to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if we if we live in like an infinite space and I am, you know, not much more bigger than an ant or whatever, I don't know. I'm, I free... Comparatively. I feel, I feel it very, very freeing. Yeah. And that's what I just want to feel free a lot of the time. Yeah. So with water, I did the show called The Water Show and... Um, I'm always blown away by like the fact that we have so much in common with animals and, and you know, seeing a dog really love drinking from a bottle of water. It's like, hey, I know how that feels, mate. No. <laughs> and having this stuff, just having stuff in common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like yeah. having, a, mm, having uh, looking at a dog in the eye and being like, hey, you got eyes, you know, and just being like, and just trying to, Feel something about that yeah. and just going, wow. Not being like, hey, yeah, whatever. Screw this. I'm going to be miserable. Come on, I've yeah. got to go to work. How about just looking at something and being, just for me, like it's almost me having a battle with myself to try to stay in, inspired and excited yeah. by all the stuff. That's, by everything, yeah. Just, yeah, and just that is the good side of things. And then the bad side is seeing people getting killed. By yeah. other people and and 
all like the 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 bright side is I'm like, whoa, baby, I've been born onto this magnificent, incredible place. Yeah. And then the dark side of it is just like, hey, come on, don't spoil it. Yeah. You know, this now, isn't what it's meant to be like. And then, uh, something that's got me with each of your shows, um, and I saw, I said, I've only seen the Sky Show and now the Sleep Show, but I saw the Sky Show a few times. And something that's got me is exactly that, the kind of the battle that you're almost having internally or the conflict you're having between the good and the bad. Because every time I've seen you, I've laughed uncontrollably. But it also, without fail, I've I've shed tears at yeah. your shows. And that's – I don't cry at all these, these, these shows. And it's not it's, – it's never shed tears in a – it's always in a, I don't know, a, a cathartic m- manner. But every time you've managed – to get me even even when i'm going in and the sleep show was a new one to me i was like right i'm ready i'm ready for this <laughs> yeah, one i'm yeah, ready yeah, it's yeah, not gonna yeah, get yeah. i'm just gonna enjoy it yeah and it got me again so is there a conscious thing there of trying to uh, represent both sides of that conflict in yeah, some way to try and focus on the positive and the the, the happiness but, but also even if it's just acknowledged that it's not all isn't it a shame that when we leave this room we yeah. don't only have to think about the color yellow yeah, yeah, or yeah, how great yeah. the sky is yeah. in this moment oh we can have this but man at some point it ends after an hour and we have to yeah to go i just i just try to with the shows always try to tap into what i've been feeling walking around um and sometimes the despair of you know sitting at your kitchen table and just like what what is going on yeah. you know i remember with the Paris attacks, like I was just head on my kitchen table, just being like, whoa, man, this is, I mean, just trying to get your head around that. Yeah. And just trying, I mean, someone who was, uh, as a onlooker, just like, just, just being like, wow, uh, trying to figure out how I feel about some, that happening yeah and um just the contrasting uh the beauty and the beastliness of it all it's just kind of like it's overwhelming and i think yeah. i'm a, i am i'm not over it's not like i get on the tube and i'm overwhelmed yeah. i'm it's like but sometimes i've surges of being like whoa baby yeah. and i think everyone does yeah. don't they it's not yeah, just I mean, no one's a, it's not like i'm a flipping freak for I've, going i've discussed this before and been looked at like a maniac but i, I studied photography for a while yeah. and i love photography but part of the basis was photography still blows my mind mm. that we're here in the real world and it's again it's really easy to ignore now it's even on our phones but we somehow grab a bit of that, yeah, and then it's frozen, and you've got that 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 forever. That's mm. that's there. That's something that was real and existed, and you could touch it. Yeah. And now it's just this: you've grabbed a, a a representation of it on your phone or whatever else, and that's yeah. that kind of sh- yeah, yeah. blows my mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. Regularly, and it's I guess it's finding those things that can just switch you on, inspire you in that way. Yeah, yeah. The and, thing with uh, again, just to the the Paris attacks. Sh- throw a good parallel to me to the experiences i have at your shows which sounds like a huge amount of pressure to, to put on you there but the fact that there was this this darkness 
and this thing happened and then that same night was one of the most beautiful moments for me in human history of seeing all those people all together in the square all saying not afraid and all this kind of thing and that to me was just like as you said it's, it's seeing that you've just seen how horrendous humans can be and then all of a sudden you've seen the absolute pinnacle of how amazing humans can be and all these people just in this square just saying no we're we're not angry we're not we're not after revenge we're here to say that we're we're not afraid we're, we're still humans and we're still beautiful and yeah amazing stuff but yeah well i i think um i've been trying to get into the moment more and more yeah and just trying with gigs and just in life in general and just being like um just trying to speak to people and with my friends and things and just be like okay this is this now this we're here this is now and all the and then seeing some of the stuff that's going on in the world you're like how is that all that stuff that has led you to do that I don't know I, I better not go into too much but I don't know man I just it's it's overwhelming but with the shows yeah this show was about sleep and again the thing that amazed me was turning up to the first one this year and it's at the free fringe and I've been to a few different things but turning up for your first one and seeing the queue oh, being God, out of the know, building yeah. and people having to be turned away. Yeah. How must that, that feel? I said, like having started doing the yellow <laughs> show a few years back. And as you said, not many people there to now you're it's opening night and they're having to turn people away. Yeah. Well, it was, I was, it felt great. Uh, I, I think it, it felt great. I mean, I looked in the mirror just before I went on when I was, I was went to get my book and things like that. And there was a mirror in the, where the book was and, I was just white as a sheet just before I went on. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, it was a strange show that because I had been doing previews of the show and I just put so much work into it in the, in the last couple of weeks just before. Yeah. And I changed the show quite a lot. And um, I know the show you came to after it, I was just kind of in bits really of just knowing that I've got to do this for a month. Yeah. And, uh, uh, luckily, I uh, really liked the stuff that I'd written. Yeah. And but to see the people want to come and see the show, yeah, is absolutely staggering. I mean, yeah. there was a guy there on the last day, and I was like, "How many times you been, man?" And he said, "This is the fourth time. I've been four times to see the sleep show." And um, that I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, it was. I I mean. That is, and I, I like that. I think that reviewers and people like that should have to go and see shows four times <laughs> yeah. before they can review yeah. it because it's different every time. Yeah, just depends who's in there. And it's I've, I came away from Edinburgh this time feeling quite encouraged. Yeah, and that's so important to feel encouraged yeah. by, you know, thinking okay, some people seem to be getting on board. Yeah, and. You know, if you're having a conversation and the person you're having a conversation with is not encouraging you to say another sentence, you're like, well, I'm not going to... Screw this. I'm done with this. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same with an audience. Like, if you're there and they're not encouraging you and they're like, oh, no, I'm not, don't encourage him, don't encourage him. <laughs> I don't like this. Don't encourage him. Yeah. Whereas if they're like, 
either laughing or just making noises or being present in the room. And yeah. as, as an audience member, if I go to a show and I'm enjoying it, I want to try to encourage the person to, for the magic to happen because it's when the ball starts rolling and the encouragement's there from the audience. You know, like if you're there and someone says, don't encourage him because you know it might kick off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah. oh no, don't encourage him because it's there. And it's like, if you encourage, it's just all about encouraging. If an audience encourages a performer to go further than they've ever gone before with the show, like, come on, come on, you yeah. can do this. Yeah. Like, uh, that's where, that's where like the sparkle and like the, yeah. it, the explosions sometimes happen. And I've only, there's been a few gigs where I've come away from it and I'm like, that was my one of my favourite gigs ever because the audience really got into it and I really got into it. We both got into it at the same time. Yeah. And you must, like, leaving those gigs where you know that you've got to the same place at the same time with an audience. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And you've all gone on the journey together and you've come away from it and you're like, yes. Yeah. And there's no way, like, if there's a couple of people that didn't enjoy it, you're like, fair enough. But yeah. we all... We all went there and went on that same journey yeah. t- together. And it's so, just like a party, you know? Yeah. Like, and you can try and recreate the party. You have the same people there, you have the same music on, you have the same alcoholic drinks. Yeah. But sometimes it's going to be magic and sometimes it's just going to fall a bit flat. And you're like, oh, well. And it's often, you know, when you, you do something for the first time, so if you had like a group of people together. Yeah. And you have a party, you're like, oh, that was a great party, wasn't it? Should we do it again next week? Yeah. And it's not, it's never as good. It's not going to be the same. No. Completely. So, so we'll we'll wrap things up and and I'm going to get you to perform a piece to end, but where, where can people keep up to date with you? And and what's going on with the sleep show? You're doing a run in London. Yeah, I'm doing a run of the sleep show at Soho Theatre from the 21st to the 24th of September. Excellent. And, all the dates are on my website, robauton.co.uk. We've got Bang Said the Gun. And that's Auton spelled A-U-T-O-N. A-U-T-O-N, yeah. We've got Bang Said the Gun coming up at Leicester Square Theatre. Amazing. That'll be great. Yeah. If we can, I mean, that's a big room, isn't it? It's a great room as so well, though. It'll be great in there. We're going to have to make some more shakers, hopefully. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's all, I've got a website, and my, one of my favourite things to do is write a... I write a newsletter. It's not really news. I just start writing yeah. on my computer and don't stop for as yeah. long as I can and send it to the people who subscribe to it. Brilliant. Sometimes it's, yeah, quite long. Um, but just a postcard, really, from where I'm at. And yeah. I love it. I hope this chat's been all right. It's been great. Well, let's end on... Are you going to end... You said you're going to end on the piece that that, that you end the sleep sh- the show with, so, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so some of the most challenging sleeps I ever had came as a child on Christmas Eve because I knew if I got to sleep, uh, my reward would come in the shape of Father Christmas having been. And this year I woke up to find that I'd received a letter from Father Christmas. It read, Dear Rob, I hope you've enjoyed the presents I've given you over the years. I have certainly got great pleasure from reading your lists. This year... I thought I could give you my Christmas list. I realise you are busy and may not be able to meet all my requirements, but I would really appreciate it if you could find the time to give it a go. I know you've got no way of checking, but I think I've been a good man this year. 
I've been a loving husband and have kept the reindeer in good health. Rudolph recently became a father. His son was not born with a red nose, though, so there is controversy surrounding the question of who the father is. Please find my Christmas list enclosed. I thought, what? How dare Father Christmas send me his Christmas list? I don't know who is Father Christmas to Father Christmas, but it is definitely not me. I am Father Christmas to nobody. And then I thought, hold on a minute. If Father Christmas has sent me his Christmas list, does that mean Father Christmas believes in me? I took the letter and began to read it. Rob, there's one gift I would like from you this year. As a gift to me, I would like you to attempt to become as comfortable within yourself when you are awake as you are when you're asleep. Why have you become quieter in social situations? Please don't disappear into yourself completely. It's okay to shut yourself off at night time, but not when you're awake. Stop overthinking every single thought you have. Anxiety is not the capital of you. Take note of those words you wrote down that the cricket commentator said. Try your best, but don't take yourself too seriously. My elves have been watching you talk to yourself in your kitchen when you're on your own. They tell me what you say and I don't believe what you think of yourself is true. They told me that recently you said you prefer being asleep to being awake. That you feel like you fit in when you're asleep. I know you don't mean that. Sleep is the cement that sticks your days together. Over time your days build up. From them create something you can be proud of. Yourself. When you fall asleep and do something in your dreams, it doesn't stay. You can't build on any relationships in your sleep. There is no progress. You've got a recurring life that's in your hands when you wake up. Make the most of it. A recurring dad you can phone up. It's solid. Kate planted some sweet peas in the garden, didn't she? Never in your wildest dreams will that happen. You're awake. Act like you are out of bed. Do something to make yourself tired while you still can. Grip your waking hours by the scruff of the minutes. Lay down knowing you have earned your horizontal time. Try to go to sleep looking forward to the absolute mission of tomorrow. It's challenging being awake, but worms do it. It can't be that hard. When did sleep become your happy place? You used to drive. Now it's like you're falling asleep at the wheel of your own life. Work to be brave. Make your sleep in life the shadow of your waking life so the dream version of you looks on with envy, watching you fight in the ring of reality you are trying to create for yourself. Go to bed knowing anything you achieve in your dreams isn't going to come close. You have never had your hair cut in your dreams, Rob, or had a shower or shaved or bought clothes. That guy is in a right state. All his teeth have fallen out. Not that he has ever looked in the mirror. He has never washed up or cleaned the bathroom. He has never been to sleep. He must be absolutely knackered. He could fly, but he doesn't. What does that mean? Maybe you're not bothered about flying. Public transport is there. May as well use it. The best thing he has ever done is when he had the chocolate all the way through Kit Kat experience, but with an apple. He bit into it to find it was skin all the way through and continued to try to bite into it until it disappeared. Sleep is the cocoon. I want you to wake up in the morning and break out of that sleep shell. Head first, fly at it, fueled by your favourite cocktail. Self-doubt, 
and determination. The smell of ripening tomatoes, the sight of returning green cycle helmet through the window. Walk, pace, run, get into them, get broken and heal. I want the gulf between the awake and the asleep versions of you to widen, attempting to instigate some sort of awakening within yourself every time your eyes open from a night's sleep is too much to ask, I've tried it, but this year, Rob, I really want you to prove you're awake, I want you to do this for me as you've seemed so disconnected of late. Being awake is other people. If what some of them are doing makes you prefer the sleep side, they have won. Don't detach yourself from what you love. Plug yourself into the mains of what you have been born into and switch yourself on while you still have the chance. This isn't a present for me, Rob. It is a present for you. All the best, your friend and constant observer, Father Christmas. joined now by Maria Ferguson. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm <laughs> delighted to have you on. Um, you're just in, in, in Edinburgh Fringe Recovery. How was it for you? Yeah, um, it was pretty full on. Yeah. It was pretty heavy, but um, amazing experience. My, it's intense, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's so intense. Yeah. Um, especially like, because it's a one-woman show Yeah, and I was up there on, on my own. I, was gonna, I didn't really I was have a say, team or anything. It's your first time doing it right it's, it's not your first time at Edinburgh because you've been up there in no, collectives yeah, and stuff like that before but the show is is it f- Fat Girls, Fat Girls Don't, Don't Dance Don't Dance yeah. um, and it's your first time doing that up there I mean uh, f- I need to get straight off the bat with some con- congratulations because I'm seeing tons of sold outs and being on that sold out board regularly so oh, thanks, so yeah. how was that for you um, it was great I mean I didn't expect that at all yeah. um, audience was probably the thing I was most worried about because yeah. you know I, I heard these stories about how in Edinburgh the average audience is what like six yeah. people yeah. and I had a, a 60 seat venue at the underbelly yeah. and you know no, nobody knows who I am I was just thinking you know, go down, am I going to fill these seats? But, um, yeah, word of mouth in Edinburgh it's is really an weird, incredible as well, Because word of mouth, absolutely key. A review is absolutely key. But, but also, as stupid as it is, the posters and the name of your show and stuff like that, I think are really key and, and help as well. Yeah, and it's, it, I don't know, it's, it's, it's such a weird concoction of, of pressures in a way. Because yeah. it's like, it's not just, is your show good? Yeah, like that's not the beginning and end of it. Your show could be good, and you, that only gets picked up halfway through the run. You can do the first half with no one there, and yeah. do you know what I mean? So it's an odd one, but oh, by, by but end, how have you survived? How have you coped? I mean, by the end, I was sick of the sight of my own face. <laughs> like, I just saw my face with a cake in front of it all yeah. around Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, but it was a good poster, and it, it was, was a great. good, a good name of the, sh- the, the show as well. It kind of instantly yeah. evokes interest. Instantly, I was like, right, you kind of intriguing in a way do you know what I mean it's yeah. easily accessible I think it's a very provocative title yeah. Yeah. Fat Girls Don't Dance people were you know straight away like oh, oh what's, what's that about yeah, what's, yeah. what's going on there yeah. or they're like oh you're not fat like yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you're not allowed to do it you're not fat which was um, an interesting conversation to have with people when I was yeah. flyering and stuff like that <laughs> um, <laughs> there do you find yourself for the first time in your life arguing 
about your weight in the opposite direction. Well, well was, actually, uh, this is... This is oh, I started being sort of like, yes, it's, it is an ironic title. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Well done you for noticing. Um, but yeah, I think, but I think it's good because it does spark conversation within people and that's something I really wanted out of the show yeah. was to get people talking about things like this, about relationships with food, I, about I, eating I was going to say, so, so what is the, sh- the show and what's it about and what kind of inspired you to, to, to pick this topic? So the show um, is basically an exploration of my relationship with food in parallel with me growing up training as a dancer which I did for 15 years yeah um but it's also just sort of looking at the way people think about food think about size think that you need to look a certain way to do a certain thing and it's just sort of like a battle back from that but I you know tap dance in it give out free cake Amazing. Yeah, it's quite funny. People were laughing, which is good because yeah, I did yeah, write it to handy. be funny. Yeah. And I think sometimes people think they can't laugh because of the subject. Yeah. But I think it's important to tackle stuff like that with humour, so to make it more accessible. Again, Edinburgh's a tough one, particularly. I mean, you come from a spoken word background. The whole a one woman show thing or one person show, however you wish to word it, mm. <laughs> if you wish to genderify it, it's an interesting one because a lot of people who are Edinburgh just for stand-up and I think yeah. spoken word at times is under feels extra pressure there of do we need to be f- funny as well and mm. and, and one person sh- shows as well which have kind of quite beautifully started to take the the reins at Edinburgh yeah, yeah, totally. a little bit even the comedy shows they are it, t- it does it does tend to be rather than a gig it's more of a here's a one person show here's a here's a, a, a story being told or a, a theme being uh, yeah. explored yeah. so did you feel that pressure to 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 add add humour, or was that a natural part of your telling of this story and tackling of the subject? That was a natural part of it, I think. Like I wouldn't have wanted to do something too heavy because you you have to bear in mind your audience as well. You have to be safe, and your audience has to be safe watching yeah, it. Of course. And I think humour really does you know help you with that. But you know there are very dark parts of the show as well, and I yeah. think it's important to have that balance, um, which I hope I, I did justice. Yeah, but. Um, I mean, I'd wanted to to do a solo spoken word show for such a long time and I didn't want to do it until I had an idea that I thought was important but also a, a way of doing it that I thought was individual because yeah. the show's very physical. There's like two like sort of languages going on at the same time, both verbal and, and physical. Amazing. And it took a long time to develop that. I worked on it for about a year and a half um, yeah. to, to get that right. And so I think that's important, that sort of... Not necessarily being cross arts, but having something that's original and individual to you, something uh, only was, you uh, can uh, do. I was going to say, that's, uh, that's right to you. When I was chatting with uh, a Raymond Anthropus, uh, we were saying how there became a point where it was kind of a trend that you get to a certain level in spoken word and then you have to work on your one-person show. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's fine, as you said, if you've got something to do a one-person show. And it, it shouldn't just be, oh, this is what I have to do next. So that's what's nice to hear and exciting to hear that, you took a long time going, right, what, what is my one-person show? How is my one-person show? Where did you develop it and, and what's the process in developing a, sh- a show like this? I developed it with Roundhouse and Batsy Art Centre. I've yeah. been a resident artist for both venues and they're amazing venues. I scratched yeah. it at the Roundhouse in May last year for uh, the Last Word Festival. Yes, yeah. That was the first time I scratched it and um, I sort of took feedback from that, worked on it a bit more, did it at 
uh, Camp Festival yeah. um, and, uh, and at BAC, another scratch there. Also did some performances in schools for, for teenage girls. Amazing. So did a condensed version of that, bringing up the subject of body image and eating disorders or disordered eating. Um, did workshops with those as well, with the girls writing yeah. about about body image. Um, some poetry, took a Warsan Shire poem who I adore and sort of got them to write their own version. Um, and I think all of that was very um, important for me to do while I was making the show. It also took me back to when I was that age because a, yeah. a lot of the, the stuff in the show is around that uh, sort of part of my life. Right, yeah, it's perfect. Um, so then developed it more um, with the help of um, BAC mainly and did a four-night run of it there in February, Yeah, um, which sold out and I couldn't believe it. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. so worried. And it, it um, sold out and it did pretty well. So then I worked on it a little bit more. Um, before I went to Edinburgh, previewed it at Rich Mix in June and then yeah. have just done 24 shows, wow. 24 dates. I love the practicality of that, of of, of, of working it through in a, a, a thought-out, augmented manage. I don't know, rather than just going, oh, here's my show, here's what it is. I love the idea of going in and doing workshops and talking to people and trying it and changing and, and a, allowing a project to uh, develop over time. Mm. Um do you think a lot of that has come from uh, working over the years uh, with the Roundhouse and at the Roundhouse? I first became aware of you um, and see and a, a, a load of different people all come in uh, when I had you on as, as the Roundhouse Collective yeah, at a festival yeah, yeah. years back. So, so how was that being part of something like this? As, as, as so the Roundhouse Collective is essentially a group where you were all kind of taught and you had people like Polar Bear or, yeah, or the Roundhouse yeah. has people like Polar Bear teaching. They've had numerous different people in over the years yeah old uncle p yeah <laughs> so we had polar as a mentor for for a year i mean i didn't even really know what spoken word was yeah i'd been to drama school for three years um and i knew polar i knew yourself <laughs> and i knew kate tempest yeah. and that's probably about yeah. it because uh, i'd seen like videos that people had shown me yeah but i went for an audition I, I, and i'd I, been i mean Oh, that's all us three now as that's, well. Yeah, Me, that's okay. We don't really socialise with anyone else. The big three, the holy trinity. Um, but yeah, I'd been writing these things when I was at drama school and they happened to rhyme, but I didn't really know what they what they were. Yeah. And I went to an audition and, and you could do your own work. So I performed one of these things that I'd written and they were like, oh, you know, you should you should go to the Roundhouse. They've got this spoken word programme. Yeah. And I was like, oh, right, well, what, what's that then? Yeah. And they told me about the, the slam they have every year. They have a summer yeah. poetry slam. Yeah. So I went in for that and I ended up getting to the final and, and Polar Bear was like, do you want to come and do this thing for a year, writing with me every Sunday? And oh, I was wow. like, well, That's yeah, <laughs> obviously. I've never really known that much how it works. So it's basically you'll go every Sunday and there'll be a group of you yeah. and he'll be there as a mentor or whoever is the mentor at that time and yeah. kind of take you through workshops and, and yeah. the process of developing your work, right? Yeah, that's right. And um, it, it was like two two and a half hours on a Sunday afternoon, which was a, a lovely way to spend a Sunday. Yeah. And obviously I still am very close and work very closely yeah. with the people in that collective, with Jack and Cecilia and Jess. Yeah. And it, it was really um, valuable to to really hone in on, on your on your work and find your way of writing and your own voice yeah. and i mean writing for your specific voice i find fascinating yeah. anyway yeah and i think it's only natural that you start to emulate other people or take on other people's 
ways of writing or ways of speaking, but it takes a while for you to sort of develop your own way. And when you find it, you're like, right, that's me, that's it. I completely agree. And that's what's hugely exciting at the moment is um, because that that first time at Bestival, I think it was literally three or – it was a good few years back, wasn't it, the first time I had you guys – as the Roundhouse Collective were yeah, on, I think on that was, stage. Yeah, I think that must have been about four, three, four years ago. Yeah, I was going to say, I think four, because it was before we were in the amphitheatre was the first time. It was when we were actually in the woods still, so it was this small stage. Yeah. Because you guys were on the, at the end of it, essentially. Um, and what's really exciting now is the fact that at that point, I could see Polar Bear's influence on everyone. And uh, and not in a bad way. Yeah, you no, could I see know like, exactly what you, you mean. Could tell, <laughs> you could tell you're all good and you could tell who had made you all good or, 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 or who had helped coax it out of you cunning. But what's exciting now is seeing, and, and, and Jess is an, another great example from what I've seen of her current yeah. stuff. It's amazing. And seeing all of you now seem completely individual, completely a, a unique, but it's from having that rooting in a really good kind of, Starting yeah, he point, was I an guess. amazing mentor. And I think, I, I have to admit, I think in the beginning I was writing um, pieces that I knew Polar would like. Yeah, yeah, So yeah, I was yeah, writing yeah, yeah, yeah. because I knew that he liked things in that way. Yeah. And I think that's why we probably ended up sounding more like him than we should have done. It's, it's wicked as well because church member now, Zia as well was another one that was yeah, in, in yeah. that. But again, even then, it completely... Oh, what you were saying, and I guess that's it. You probably all had your own voice and own sound, but I could tell that it was all stuff that Polar would like. Yeah. So, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's all right, you're doing your own thing, but all, all wanting to, to impress the teacher as exactly. such. Whereas as now it's all developed to, right, now I want to impress on myself, essentially, and, mm. and, uh, and do what's natural to, uh, to me. And I think uh, Fat Girls Don't Dance must feel like the kind of, epitome of that now because it's yeah. as you said it's bringing a lot of influences from throughout your whole life in there um i felt sympathetic about three f- four days in and you were saying how how physical a show it is and <laughs> yeah. how you didn't know if you were gonna last my the god full run. i was like i made this show why did i put so many sit-ups in it yeah. like there's a there's a section <laughs> where i run in diagonals from one end of the stage to the other um, and I do that for about four minutes. It's, it's to a track. And then there's an exercise routine and I do a load of Pilates and sit-ups. And I was thinking, I could have just spoke. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. But obviously that's that's not the point. And I'm glad I did the show that I did. But and there's, hell, and there's no in Edinburgh, from it, it was so hardcore. Especially as well, because, you know, you have, you have a bit of a party when you're yeah. up there. You have yeah. to. You have to have a little espresso martini every I mean, now you've, and then. you've planned a good sh- show then, really, because you're, <laughs> you're, you're forcing yourself to, <laughs> to, to, to to work out every day to keep in keep healthy body, healthy mind. Yeah, it's not the easiest one to do on a hang, though. I, that, yeah, I that can imagine. That I can, uh, I can say. Um, so, so what's the plan going for? forward is is this show gonna tour because it always scares me with edinburgh that there's it's this beautiful month where these amazing shows develop to be their absolute peak and then so many of them never appear anywhere again but mm. because because next year it's a new show and so on and so forth yeah so what's the, the plan is there going to be more performances and touring of, of fat girls don't dance or is there yes. a new project i'm bringing it home so Excellent. i'm taking it back to the roundhouse Amazing. in october Fantastic. 25th and 26th of october um so just two nights um at the roundhouse in the studio there 
then I'm going to have a bit of a break. Um, yeah. But I do plan to put a tour together for next year. I also Excellent. want to do more educational work with it and visit more schools and, and young people and do a bit more around that sort of side of it as well. Uh, new project, don't know people. So I got back from Edinburgh and they're like, oh, well, what are you doing next year then? It's like, Jesus. <laughs> I was like, mm. You know, Can I, we I, just revel in the fact that I had a lot of sold-out shows this year? <laughs> I've survived. No one died. You know, and all this kind of thing. It's like I didn't you have to die. be straight on to, so um, what's next year? What's, 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 <laughs> what's coming up next, Brett? Um, so, yeah, I don't – personally, I don't think I can put together a piece of work that I'm happy with in that amount of time. In that amount of time. Yeah. I, do, no, I just great. don't think – Again, I, I think I more people should quite happily be every other year and things, yeah, things, I think things that's like sensible. that with Edinburgh because I think it's – it gives you that time. And as I said, from hearing the time you've spent developing uh, this show, wh- why would you want to do the next show r- rushed or mm. in, in, in a fraction yeah. of the time? You know, you've built a good name and a successful sh- sh- show there. If you go back next year and your show's kind of a rushed and yeah. it's only got five sit-ups and two sprints. You know? Know, it's, just, <laughs> it's just not good enough, is it? It's just not good enough. It's I'm going to have to run good. a marathon for the next one. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's the idea as well, isn't it? Because you have to have an idea yeah. that you're behind and that is very specific to you. And equally, and I completely applaud continuing an idea. And, and from the, the sound of the topic and taking it into schools sounds like a fantastic thing. I love all you guys at the Roundhouse Collective, I think, again, are perfect people to be going into schools because um, it's something I always str- struggle with because no one ever taught me spoken word or any of that. So I've never known mm. what is a good way to inspire someone and so on and so forth. But because you've all come through a teaching element of it with that roundhouse collective, you're kind of equipped to, to go into schools and uh, and know at least in a way how to engage and how to in, connect with kids and, yeah, and get I them mean, excited about it. I think I think it is an important thing to do. I don't think everyone, it's for everyone and I don't think every spoken word artist should do it at 100%, 100%. all. But um, I think, you know, if you're interested in that, um, then it is a valuable thing to do. The good thing as well with the spoken word community is everyone's so close. Yeah. So you can really learn off each other. I know, you yeah. know, I share exercises and facilitation ideas with other artists, same yeah. as you do writing exercises yeah, sure. and getting together and writing. I mean, I've got, basically got a new family out of doing Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, and you Amazing. have those new links and stuff like that. I was living with... A um, couple of guys that do uh, Boomerang Club, which yeah. is a spoken word night in London, uh, with Gecko, who's a sort of like spoken word sash musician, who's amazing. Yeah. Harry and Harry and Chris, yeah, Harry, you know Harry Baker, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he did a show with a jazz musician this year, Chris Reed. The Harry and Chris show, it was blinding, and I've heard uh, that's amazing. Paul Cree I've seen the poster for show. it again, but yeah, yeah, but it's just it's it's beautiful because you you go and you. Um, support each other but then you get so much out of that yeah you know you can build up um yeah you know your own toolkit if you like and yeah um it's, it's yeah. amazing I, when i had marcus a brigstock on a uh, weirdly that episode he talks about a lot about about having a, an eating disorder and his struggles with it and it's it's a, it's a great episode that i'd recommend you listen if you get a chance because it feels yeah. it relates to some of your show but on that as well we were talking about how at points, the really good shows at Edinburgh, you have to go and catch a couple of times because oh, particularly yeah, when it's someone yeah. like like Harry and things like that, I guarantee that 10 minutes in, something will give you an idea for something yeah. of the, the, that you could do and, and it's not ripping anything off, but you'll just, that, that'll be on your mind and you'll be like, oh, I could go off in this direction and do this and do that. And that's yeah. kind of the beauty of those 
of friendships and inspirations you get up there. Mm. Um, well, we're going to end on a, a poem, if that's okay. But before we do, uh, where can people keep up to date on everything that you're doing and, and what's ahead? Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Kadonk. That's, yeah, K-E-R-D-O-N-K. But if you put Maria Ferguson in, it comes up. And I've got um, a, got a blog as well. Who hasn't? Excellent. Um, it's just a, a Tumblr. So if you put Maria Ferguson Tumblr in, it comes up. It's Panda in Disguise. Because I love pandas. And it was discovered yesterday that pandas are no longer an endangered species. Oh, really? Yeah, so I think oh, that's fantastic news. Yeah. So I'm going to do a, 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 a poem with... A shout out to the pandas. Yeah, shout out to the pandas. I'm going to do a poem with the word panda in it. Excellent. Go, go ahead. <laughs> Let's do it. There are too many babies on my newsfeed. I am posting pictures of cake, poetry, pandas. How am I even a grown-up? I've never been in love, at least not with someone who loves me at the same time, simultaneously. And all these girls I went to school with are having babies, some of them two, at least one of them three. I drink a whole bottle of wine on a Tuesday and call myself an artist. I can't tell whether I hate myself or just everyone else. There are very few exceptions. You are one of them. You assure me we are young. That really, you are only a boy. But I know your mind has been ticking. Your spare time clogged with these images of rings and girls you once knew in white dresses, babies that all look the same. Because they're babies. I mean, what happened to the hangovers? The streams of sweat-soaked faces, heaving clubs. What happened to us? Mush. I swear I must have been dreaming when I saw a picture of a narrow front door, a set of keys, another woman's face. I still remember that day you turned to me, cocked your head to the side, to this little boy, all sandy hair and hazel eyes, and you said, he looks like he could be ours. And I was like, shut up. (laughs) But you told me that you'd play football with him on a Saturday, we'd play in the garden, I'd make the tea. Mate, I know we were only pretending. But I don't know what I'll do when it's yours. Staring up at me through a screen instead of from my arms. Joined now by Raymond Anthropus. How you doing, man? I'm good, Scubius. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I've been aware of you for ages, um, or a, a decent while. I've, I've had you on stage at Bestival and yep. maybe a camp festival, I think, yep. in the past yep. as well. Um, what was your kind of introduction into into poetry and into, into spoken word? Where did you start? What inspired you to start doing it? And, and what were your moves in that way? Um, I mean, I'd always written. Um, I guess I was writing stories and then I was writing raps and I hadn't, I wasn't aware of spoken word until I went to the States in 2007 and saw a poetry slam. Yeah. And when I saw that, that was the perfect example of what I needed to see of what can be done 
beyond you know just writing on your own in the room yeah um, so I came back to, to to England and funnily enough I met up with a friend who said oh have you heard of Scoobus Pip <laughs> yeah, nice. I was like no He's like, well, you know, he, he apparently does this poetry thing on stage with music. Let's go check him out. And that was in a, a venue that's now closed down called The Spits. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was you, it was Tim Wells, and yeah. it was Chris Redmond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so we came down and I remember that, that night, like, genuinely changed my life. Amazing. It, it showed me, again, what was possible. I needed to see the example, yeah. right, of, of that. So... Literally off the off the back of kind of the the inspiration of that, I started um, doing poetry slams. Yeah, and I went to the uh, Farago Poetry Slam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I became runner up to a poet called Diana Roger. And along the years, um, I started kind of, I guess, winning more slams. I then went to Chicago, where I was just introduced to a whole other poetry community. Yeah, and then what I've seen tended to find is because I've been in so many places from uh, Kenya, South Africa. Switzerland, Germany, you know, all, all, all around the States. I just find the poets and the poetry community and I find my place no mm. matter where I am yeah. in the world. It's one of the things that really has, has always struck me about you specifically is that completely engrossing yourself in the scenes. Like I'd, I'd say you're one of the most well-travelled spoken word artists. Now, there's other people in the UK scene who might be, be higher up then you're on a bill yeah. or be doing their full show or tour. But I think there's very few who can compete with you for experience of, yeah. of, of taking in spoken word styles and, and approaches from all around the world. So yeah. uh, what kind of drove that? What kind of motivated you to go, right, hang on, I could just, because a lot of people, and I think it's the same with live bands, it's easy to get into your local scene and just that consumes you. You mm. become the king of the local scene and that's when you're setting yourself up for failure because mm. you're, big fish in a small pond essentially yeah. rather yeah. than getting that experience and then you go out of that scene and suddenly you're not getting that same reaction and yeah. it crushes you and yeah. breaks you so yeah. what was it that drove you to kind of go and take in so much variation i think i think well first and foremost like uh, i'm a poet i'm a writer and i'm a i'm a reader before anything else yeah and i feel like i went through a long time of looking for that uh, I guess, yeah, I was looking for um, to be seen as a poet uh, yeah. for what I do. Um, but it just wasn't going to happen because I wasn't chasing a record deal. Yeah, I didn't want to be uh, a musician. Yeah. You know, I yeah. wasn't looking to kind of, I suppose, occupy that kind of space. Yeah. So I needed to kind of find, and I'm still dealing with this now, find yeah. ways to kind of turn off the noise of kind of what's, the benchmark in popular culture of uh, of success, you know? And um, I, there's a great quote um, from Einstein, which I live by, which is, don't strive to be a person of success, strive to be a person of value. Yeah. And um, so I've taken poetry into, into schools. I've been working in different schools within my local community um, for the past four years. And I've found that has given me as I say, as, as Einstein says, like um, more value, I suppose, yeah. than, than uh, standing on stage uh, and just having people applaud me for the sake of applauding. Yeah, I get you that know? completely. I remember um, uh, me, Kate Tempest and Polar Bear have, or previously, we've not in a while, but we'd, we'd regularly meet up mm. just to have a drink, um, moan about stuff, yeah. 
moan a oh, lot about the spoken word scene. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that we realised was there was a there was an era when you get to a certain a level in spoken word and then you add a live band. Yeah. And then there became the era of you get to a certain level in spoken word and then you do an hour-long show. Mm. Um, and it's weird that these things become so formulaic mm. and it becomes, well, here's what you need to do to be a success. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a strange one because both of those are completely valid r- r- routes, mm. but they shouldn't have a disparaging effect on those who don't choose to take that route. Exactly. They, yeah. They're not the only route. I'm, I'm fine with that being a part of the of the scene and of yeah. the, the system, but not when it's at the detriment of, oh, you've not got a one-man show or a yeah. band. Ah, yeah. you're probably not, you're it's, probably not that, that that valuable. Then, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's important to know what motivates you, ultimately. Yeah. And I think that I, I've found, having taken the time out now, um, I've realised that in some ways, um, being so hyper-visible, and, you know, we were talking about Twitter and social yeah. media, being on stages where, like, you've got one chance with a poem uh, to impress an audience and have a kind of instant response from that. Like, if that guides you, you just end up in a circle. And completely. I found that going for, for years. I think that's completely valid. And I've never I've, I, I've never done that many slams, really. And it's kind yeah. of because of that, because of yeah. the nature it can, it can cause. I think, as humans in general, it's important to experience many different emotions yes. and variations of emotion it shouldn't i talk about this a lot on the podcast it shouldn't i think we put too much value at times in happiness i, th- mm. I think happiness is awesome mm. i really rate it it's, it's, it's like one of the top top things but <laughs> it's not the only thing and i think there's a lot of different emotions and i think that translates into spoken word is the slam scene or or the the short poetry gig in, yeah. in front or anything that seems competitive you then get in the habit of chasing a specific reaction. Yeah. And a poetry gig could be the best gig ever and not get a single bit of applause. Sure. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It could just be that silence and, and reverence and yeah. people are taking it in. There's there's many... And again, from a poem, you sh- you could be, be wanting to leave people silent or mm. wanting them exactly, to be yeah. laughing or yeah. vice versa. There should be this variation. Whereas, yeah, as you said, that yeah. becomes a competitive scene. Then if, yeah. if, all, if you've got one piece... And 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 Farago's a, a, a great example with their their slams. I've seen poets there that have amazed me in that context, and then I've been surprised to see their actual full gig is nothing like that. Because no. you get in that habit of I need that that thing that's going to yeah. make everyone pop and everyone laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When that's not necessarily no, the be all and end all. It's as a poet. not. It's limited. I mean, the way that I see it now is when I was doing slam, I was living in an Olympic swimming pool. Mm-hmm. I want to live in an ocean. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, that's so awesome. it's like I, I need, I just need, I need space. I can't have noise in me while I'm writing, yeah, or yeah. you know, while I'm trying to work something out. And it can't be reliant on, like you say, again, that yeah. kind of wow, that was amazing. You know, yeah. like um, as you know, I'm writing my first full poetry collection at the moment, and it's funny because. I've written a lot over the years and I gave it to uh, an editor and, uh, and he looked at a lot of the stuff and he said, mm, this is, this is, you need to figure out more stuff on the page. I see, I see why this works when you perform it live. I yeah. see why you get a response, but, uh, let's talk more about form and let's talk about, uh, how, how these moves, how, how these moves can be condensed. Yeah. Know? Um, it's yeah. amazing. I've had similar, I've, I've, I've been writing a novel for ages and there's certain 
little bits in it that have poetry. Yeah. And and my brother is incredibly well read, and he started to go through it, and he was like, right, how do you want me to give you feedback on this? The poetry in this is this the character in the book saying it out loud, mm. or is this this page poetry? Because mm. if it's page poetry, it's not very good at the moment. Mm. <laughs> you know, and it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was sure, kind of, sure. and again, I had a similar thing where it's like. I'm an established poet. How dare yeah, you? Do? Do. What do you mean? It's not very good. He's like, it just doesn't. It's not got the. the again, I can. Uh, I can completely see that you performing this on stage. That's going to pop. That's going to yeah, sound great. Yeah. But on this right, and so again, in this context, he was like, but that could be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah If yeah. this isn't the character writing written poetry, but, it's, but then it's a me, weird mix. Let, let me ask you then: Who do you think you're writing for? You know what I mean? And yeah. I think one of the things that really got me about you is when I learned about your speech impediment. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, like I'm partially deaf. I lit read. I was going to say, it's, 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 it's interesting you say that because I'd seen you a lot and then I saw you post a piece about you, you, about your hearing and I wasn't aware of that at all. And it was, it was instantly intriguing. And that's one of the beautiful things of spoken word is, is getting to know people. Mm. I've, I've known, um, a a moose rock wonga for years and certain pieces I've seen him perform have told me so much more about him than yeah. I would have ever learned yeah. sitting in a pub talking. So yeah. it's a similar th- thing there. As, yeah. So yeah. So. I mean, like, I, I guess that something that everything I write, I feel like I, I'm thinking about communication and how I suppose if I'm honest, like um, going up, I think I felt inferior um, to, you know, in terms of being able to communicate. Yeah, sure. Because I reckon uh, it wasn't picked up straight away that I was deaf. Um, I only started wearing hearing aids from when I was about 10. Wow. I, I needed them all along. So yeah. um, I was slow to start talking. My, yeah. my, my parents didn't know why I wasn't talking. I was slow to start walking. Um, and I think throughout my life, I've, I've had, I think this is what has drawn me to spoken word because it's completely about being heard. It's completely yeah. about being understood on your own terms. And as a lit reader, you need to kind of find that yeah. space. Like I find that I can't have conversations with just anyone. Mm. You know what I mean? That needs yeah. to be, it's a two way yeah. thing. So the same way applying, applying that to poetry. And that's why I'm in this kind of space where I'm trying to learn about communication on a page because it's like, okay, now, now it's a different kind of listening, a different kind of interaction happening. Yeah. You know, um, like, do you feel like, did you have a need to communicate with people, you know, and, and how you you find that difficult? It's a fascinating one, the similarities there. Cause again, for me, I don't think it was a conscious thing. I think I started writing because, I fancied it mm. and I'd seen people like Saul Williams and Sage Francis yeah, and yeah. these guys. I thought, man, I want to, I want to do that. But there is, is something there that, that both of us will have grown up with. And I talk about this every now and then on, it's, it's a weird one with a speech impediment and it's going to be incredibly similar with, with your, your hearing and whatnot is one of the things that we talk about the most is a basic human right is freedom of speech. Yes. And neither of us have always had that. Yeah. You know, there's certain things that you haven't been able to take in properly yeah. or, or, or easily at, yeah. at the very least. And certain things you probably haven't been able to express easily, yeah. particularly in, in, in the early years of yeah. understanding your uh, situation. And similarly with me, it's that thing where for a long time growing up, there were certain words and certain phrases I knew I couldn't say. Yeah. So I knew weren't an option for me. Yeah. 
that's a restriction on your freedom of speech. Mm. In, in, in some ways, it's not the same as a, a state-mandated restriction on freedom of speech or any of these things, but it's still there. So yeah. I think it, it, it can be conscious or subconscious, a real driver behind that want to have that hunger for, 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 for using language, for speaking, for writing, for communicating in that yeah. way because of, because of years of it being kind of held back. Yeah, as soon yeah, as yeah. you've had the, 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 the training wheels taken off, essentially, it's going, man, as you <laughs> said, you've, you, you've spent all this time thinking that the Olympic swimming pool was yeah. all there was. And yeah. then, then suddenly you're in an ocean and you're like, look at all of this. Right. Let's go right. over there. Let's go over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where I'm at, man. And that's what I'm trying to nurture. And I don't think I could nurture it in the kind of, yeah, in the, in the settings of, like you say, of the Olympic swimming yeah. pool. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you, I say the word nurture there. Uh, one of the other things that struck me um, early on about you is your passion to work in the community in schools. We yeah. touched upon it briefly. Um, I know you're a poet in residence yeah. um, at the moment. So, yeah. so, so, what was your journey into working in schools and the drive there, and 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 where are you now with all that? I mean, to be honest, I fell into education. Um, it was it was an accident. Uh, yeah. What happened was when I was in Chicago, I met a poet uh, and a teacher called Peter Kahn. Um, and he had seen me perform and he said, I want you to come into my school and meet my kids, yeah. meet my students. And uh, I, I went into the school and uh, man, there was 80 students there. It was after school. All of the, all of these uh, students were between the ages of 14, 15, yeah. every one of them writing poems, Amazing. you know, and it was the first time I'd seen anything like that, yeah. you know, yeah. because poetry, to me at that point had always been this solitary thing that I'd done on my own yeah and so and almost a dirty secret like yeah no uh, I mean. uh, <laughs> points as well it's, it's not like it's not something you'd expect here 80 or so kids to be staying no, after man. school to not get involved in so not you wouldn't all. imagine that so like I walked into the classroom and then um Peter Kahn introduces me as a poet from London he's a national slam champion um and that just excited them and they and then before yeah. i know i had a whole line of students just holding their poems like one by one just reading them to me wanting oh, wow. my feedback you know That's and amazing um, and then peter Kahn just stood back and he's watching that and then afterwards he said to me look i've got an idea for something i want to do with you um you know to just just remember this interaction two yeah. years later he comes to london and he says, right, I've been speaking with Goldsmith University. I want to set up uh, the world's first spoken word education program. It's an MA program. Wow. Would you like to pilot it? Now, I left school with no, well, I had two GCSEs. Yeah. You know? uh, I had no qualifications. I hadn't gone to college. And so I let that all be known. And um, he said, okay, well, 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 we'll see what we can do. I'll fight for you. Um, about two months in, um, I, I passed all of these interviews and then there's one more interview and they say to me, right, go away, come back. We're going to ask you one question, right? And you're going to have to answer this question to the, uh, the professors at Goldsmith University and these head teachers at these secondary schools that you may work in um, and the head of Apples and Snakes. Um, and so, cool, all right. Went away, came back. And the one question that they asked me was, how has your reading influence your thinking wow. go i had to speak for an hour just on that oh, un wow. uninterrupted um and i'm 
I've been reading since I was a kid. Like that, that's been my, yeah. that's been my thing, you know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. suddenly I'm just spewing all this stuff about my experiences of, of literature and not just as a kid, but as an adult and not just of poetry, but of fiction and nonfiction and, and, and life writing, um, of, of biblical texts, of f- theories and, and philosophy, just, just spewed it all out. Yeah. And the next day, you know, like, congratulations, you've got in, we've got you onto the MA program, you know? Was it a massive, relief when that turned out to oh, be the question it's, oh, it's, 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 it's like you're on a game show and suddenly <laughs> the option comes up of your exact expert subject yeah, like, in the oh, final round like oh got this, come got on this. <laughs> this is this is I all mean, me it was intimidating as well because i'd always been suspicious of kind of you know academic institutions i've always yeah. been this kind of more audio didactic kind of guy like i'm, yeah. I'm just read books i'm sitting around i'm just reading 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 and and at, at that point to be honest reading just for the sake of reading like yeah but i just i don't know i then i went through it i mean i it was really helpful and i think it did validate certain insecurities i had um about again about being able to speak yeah and who yeah. i'm able to speak to yeah i mean it's it's, it's really interesting and particularly i write now as we're just coming off the lowest GCSE scores mm. in 10 years or, mm. or something like that. It's interesting. It's, it's doubly interesting here yeah. because you've got the experience of not doing that great at school. Yeah. Um, but then you've also got the experience of you're going into education. So you obviously put in a lot of worth in that as well. And I think that's what a lot of people don't get across that it's not a, there's not one answer to yeah. it. I, I did some posts and it caused all these different arguments inside them and no one was was right and no one was was wrong. I intentionally did two posts and one was saying how unimportant GCSEs are and one was over-exaggerating how important <laughs> they were. Yeah, And I had tons of people saying, I've got no GCSEs and I run a business now, so they're not important at all. Hmm. I had other people saying... I wouldn't have got on to my A-level course without my GCSEs. Mm. Therefore, I wouldn't have gone to do my doctrine. Therefore, I wouldn't be studying in a lab at this moment. So, but again, I think it, both sides of the story are rarely told together. Yes. They're, they're not completely irrelevant. Yes. To me and you, they kind of were. Mm. I, I don't remember what GCSEs I got. You didn't do great. Yeah. You've gone on to do well because you had that drive afterwards. Mm. For other people, they have been hugely important. Again, there's there became a trend a few years back of going, our GCSEs teach us stuff that we'll never need or never or never use in, in real life. They should be teaching us about mortgages yeah. and, and, and taxes yeah. and all this kind of thing. And my argument to that is a lot of lives are all about that. Yeah. But I the world would be in a horrible place if all anyone's life was about was mortgages and taxes and bills. It's like we need other options, whether it be those who are using Pythagoras' theorem to solve huge things or those who aren't learning either but are artists and creators and and, and inspirers. Yeah, I mean, it takes a long time to figure out what you want to do. You know, I reckon that even if I did do well in my GCSEs, went to college, went to university between the ages of 16 to 20 – chances are I would have studied something I wasn't really that passionate yeah, about yeah. and got a career in something that's completely irrelevant to what I really want to do, right? Again, I mean, it's, it's it's a very early point to go, right, we now need to plan your next right. s- s- six years, th- yeah. which then plan the rest of yeah. your life. And like, then, what? 
What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, yeah, we need to know what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Yeah, and that's that's go. That's putting you in the Olympic swimming pool. Yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Instead of the ocean. Yeah, straight away. Do some laps. So, so, so how exciting has it been to get to? I'd, I'd imagine the lack of inspiration that you maybe got at school <laughs> is a massive inspiration to how you teach and how you work. Yeah, it is. It is because we've been goldsmiths. I, I mean, I. On one hand, like you say, when I first went, my first year was tough because I felt like a hypocrite. I felt like a fraud. I felt like, wait, this is not uh, an environment where I thrived in. Yeah, I can't now become the ambassador for this kind of space. Yeah. But it took me about a year to actually rectify that in a way that was like, no, 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 hold on. If there was a poet that came into my school three to four times a week yeah. and gave me some time out to write some poems and to, to discuss, um, I don't know, like how we can make a poem out of Othello's yeah. speech yeah. here. You know, yeah. like I would have loved that. I would have had, it would have completely changed my experience completely, and my feelings of yeah. school, right? So it's all about how I enter that space and become an agent. I don't want to say agent of change, but in some ways that's true, but an agent yeah. of the kind of world I want to see. Yeah, and, and it's beautiful as well because part of the art there is going to be a level of trickery, <laughs> yeah. in my opinion, is the fact is some kids will go, right, I've got a choice today between continuing on maths or going and doing poetry for an hour. Right, I'll pick that. That sounds yeah. like yeah, a, yeah, a yeah, right yeah. love. So you're kind of tricking them <laughs> in as this is an excuse to not be doing work and then hopefully sh- showing them stuff that makes them, f- them fall in love with it and engage yeah, in it absolutely. and see where they can excel. So, I'm, I mean, I've had quite countless, and I mean, and, and, and I know um, a lot of poets who've spent time in education, there are other spoken word educators as well, and we've all seen it. We've all had those students who, some are, some of them are borderline illiterate. Yeah. And... But then they have a spark for something. Again, it comes from this thing of having something to say yeah. because they yeah. feel something. You know, you're, you're, when you're young, it's an emotional time. Yeah. How can you not have something to say? Yeah. And once you kind of, once, once I, you know, they were able to, to write that, there was a sense of them feeling like this is a place where they belong because they found a language That's that, can be, that can fit and, 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 and be applauded for. You know, so, I mean, that, that's... On, on one level, I guess, um, the, the, you know, we were talking about the spoken word being this place where, you know, as an artist, the applause can be damaging. Yeah. But in, in that context, the, the applause was, was important. It was it's rewarding. Usually, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Again, it's, it's like anything in, in anything that you become passionate about. What, initially drives that passion isn't what necessarily has to sustain it Mm. so the fact is in anything getting praise and applause is the best way to motivate you to do something more we're base humans it's it's, it's a very (laughs) simple thing whether that be with poetry or with women or with or with anything else with (laughs) with sports anything it's like that initial motivation is other people are giving me a praise for this yeah. this is awesome yeah what then you, 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 your job is as 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 a teacher is to then work from that and yeah. drive them yeah, towards yeah, yeah. everything that's ahead yeah, exactly and i guess like 10 years now like i've been do- doing poetry and, and and performing and i'm just at that spot where you know we we're talking off mic about what are the next steps yeah. for poetry for yeah. spoken word art is you know um 
I don't, I don't know, but I'm trying to let that mystery excite me. Yeah, in a yeah. way, like you know, I did, I did a, I did actually write a show um, for the Roundhouse. It was called A Language You Both Know. The whole show was uh, with a friend who, uh, who, who's a coder, which means child of deaf adults. So her first language was BSL, British Sign Language. Right. So um, I had the whole work with two translators. Had the whole show translated yeah. um, through British Sign Language. Learned some sign language myself and uh i mean just wow i mean the yeah. show should have actually been about the making of the show yeah, yeah and all the conversations yeah, yeah, that yeah. happen behind the scenes of Amazing. how okay you know you've got this poem and you've got this image well in sign language it translates to this image i need another image to transition into i love this. the beauty of um uh, and people don't often understand how different a language sign language is yeah. and how it's not a direct translation no. my mum did a BSL for many years uh, oh, when right. I was growing up and it's amazing that it's a lot of it is more direct a yeah. lot of it is very abbreviated yeah. a lot of the, the structures of sentence are, are, moved, are, are moved around it's why again people felt f- for years that deaf children were were s- s- simple or weren't mm. as clever because they did, did, often didn't have as good reading because yeah. the sentence structures are different yeah, and, exactly. and it's so streamlined yeah. it removes so much of the pointless words in each sentence and Obviously, as a poet, no words are pointless. These are, <laughs> these are all wonderful tools, but it, it's beautiful in its streamlining in ways that it's like, right, here's the direct things. What? How can I get this across in the most succinct right, manner? Right, right. So that must have been an amazing experience to turn yeah. poetry, which is often about saying something that could be said quite short in a far more extended and beautiful and and, and frivolous manner so that must have been an amazing experience to go back and forth on that yeah no it was i mean it was a lot of work that was what was the other thing yeah i mean it's interesting just i'm i'm I'm, I'm rambling on now but it's interesting that you were saying similar about page poetry how initially you'd write it all down and then someone would say look we need to streamline this a lot because this is written as a spoken word piece it must have been kind of a similar experience with a, tr- a translating into BSL, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it was, <laughs> yeah, finding that language in which you can be understood. But one of the one of the reasons I got into spoken word was that it was something I could do on my own, right? Yeah, yeah. I only had to, in a way, be a master of my own language. Yeah, sure. You know, I only needed to be heard in my own terms, which was something that was very personal and private and then presented to the public. But any anything, you know, the page... And, and the stage and working with BSL interpreters, it became, it became a collaboration. Yeah. And it became something which became more about uh, communicating, well, with the collaborator in that you're trying to be, oh, it was just so frustrating. I'm just yeah. thinking now about yeah. all, all the yeah. times I was like, yeah. just no, 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 this is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. what I'm trying to do. Yeah, but it doesn't translate. It's got, it's got either we, we leave it or you go and Amazing. spend more time working on the writing, you know? So I love that but that's an amazing experience as a writer to have those kind of restrictions yeah to have someone say essentially say what you're saying i can't i can't translate that i can't strip that down you either need to work on it to make it clearer and less and again it's 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 another thing that i found with having my written stuff analyzed a bit was there's far more and, and kate tempest has said this as well there's far more that you'll use a phrase or a reference in spoken word and it will seem to work, but under deeper analysis, it's pointless. Yeah. It's, it has no place yeah. there. It's other fat. than the sound. Other, yeah. than, other than it sounds good and you can deliver it hard yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. twist on that exact point yeah, yeah, yeah. and, you know, have that inflection. 
And that's, yeah. But one, that's of, one of the things that um, I really, there was, oh, I think her name is Kathleen Rain, and she talks about how when you write down a word, you write down language, that is a seed. Yeah. You're planting something. And there's a lineage to that language because it comes from somewhere else, yeah. of some of other, uh, you know, Dead languages, yeah, even, sure, or Latin sure, yeah, and all this yeah. kind of stuff. But when you speak a word, it's what's more important is the energy, is what yeah. is felt as yeah. it's spoken and how it's received. It's this immediate thing. Yeah. So in a, in a way, they're two different mediums, you know? Yeah, of course. So it makes sense. Like trying to exist in those two spaces as someone who came to poetry, I mean, I mean, through music and through the love of the sound of words and performing, it can be, it's, it's jarring, you know, because yeah. I'm trying to find in a way, I'm trying to speak two different languages to portray the same idea. So energy and yeah. yeah and yeah, energy. Yeah. yeah. That's fascinating. Well, um, I'm ending each, each of these sections on a spoken word piece. So before we do that though, can you let people know, oh, I, I mean, I was going to ask oh, what's ahead, <laughs> but, but we've made it quite clear that we've no idea what's ahead. <laughs> so, so where can people keep up to date on what's ahead on social um, media and stuff like that? At, Raymond Antrobos on Twitter. Um, I'm currently just just to kind of pass the time and uh, feel like I'm putting something out. I have a YouTube channel called Ray Recommends where yep. I just interview different yeah. different uh, poets and writers. The last one I interviewed my local bookshop seller just, just to see like you know why is it poetry selling and yeah. or is it selling because I see you've got a big section of poetry at the front yeah. of your bookshop. You know, so we yeah, have yeah, like, yeah. discussions like that. That's so yeah, I think those, oh, and I've just got a website www.bemanatrobus.com. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. And what would you like to end end on? Um, oh man, this is tough. I think <laughs> um, because again, talking about the two different languages oh. of like the page and the stage. Um, should I do a page or should I do a stage? <laughs> it's up to you. It's up to you. Um, okay, so. Uh, all right, I'll do this one. As you said about like traveling, yeah. what I've found is, I mean, in the last year I've been to Kenya, I was in the States, I was in Jamaica. Um, I kept getting stopped by the police. Oh, wow. Border, like, no matter what or where. And um, I had this particular... I mean, we've not touched on your... Ethnicity, oh, right, yeah, which so, I'm kind of pleased with. I'm glad that hasn't come up because it's, it can be a default kind of. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. well, I mean, uh, my dad's Jamaican, my mom's English. Yeah, so I'm mixed race, but I suppose I'm not the classic mixed race look. I'm sure. quite ambiguous looking, right? Yeah. So when I'm in the states, people often think I'm like Mexican. Yeah, or, I mean, you're gold as an actor. because yeah. you could be cast in almost any. Yeah, and, and I've, I've 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 found it since I've started getting interaction is because. I, I tan and I've got a, a slender nose, but a, a dark skin and all this. They're like, oh, we can cast you in most European countries, yeah. a lot of, of, of Middle Eastern countries. It's like, yeah, 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 it's, yeah. it's handy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. that's, that's, that's your, uh, <laughs> that's your story there. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it's, um, so this one particular incident that happened in, in, in Miami, um, where I'm just, randomly pulled over by the police and it was such a disorientating image and um i guess because we were talking as well about the how poetry can find value and be useful i'm going to read this because this is the last thing i wrote which i found so useful to help me understand what just happened to me right amazing okay and it's just called miami airport and it's uh okay why didn't you answer me back there you know how loud these things are on my waist you don't look deaf can you prove it do you know sign language ID, why didn't I see anyone that looked like you when I was in England? Why were you in Africa? Why don't you look like a teacher? 
Who are those photos of? Is this your girlfriend? Why doesn't she look English? What was the address you stayed at? What is the color of the bag you checked in? What was your address again? Is that where we're going to find dope? Why are you checking your phone? Can I take your fingerprints? Why are your palms sweating? You always look this lost. Why did you tell me your bag was red? How did it change color? What color are your eyes? How much dope will I find in your bag? Why isn't there dope in your bag? Why did you confuse me? Why did you act strange when there was nothing on you? Would you believe what I've seen in the bags of people like you? You think you're going to go free? What did you not hear? There we go, man. That was part one, and it's packed, isn't it? These are packed. I'm, I'm excited at the length of these. I'm excited to get to talk to all these people, um, and I'm excited that all of you are getting to experience what would normally be experienced on a small stage in the middle of the woods on the Isle of Wight. So. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you're going to tune into part two. That's going to be up at midday, as I mentioned. In fact, I should go back and reference. You've listened to Rob Alton, Maria Ferguson and Raymond Anthropus. Check them all out. I recommend you do more research on all of them. If, you, if you're if you keen for part two and have to wait, spend that time looking them up on social media, looking them up on YouTube and, che- and checking them out. But in part two, we're going to have the legendary Holly Manish, the wonderful Jack Rook and the superb Cecilia Knapp. So check them out, um, subscribe, all that kind of thing. Spread the word, in fact. If you can spread the word on this one, it'll be beautiful. It's a spoken word sp- special. That's, that's, that's kind of that's special to me. All right, I'll see you in a bit. Ta-ta.